let's try up here. Is this better? All right. I'm Andy. I'm an elder here, and right now we're going to do our take our tithes and offerings. So if you're a visitor here, please feel no obligation to give, and this is just a part of our worship that we have as members of this church. So if the ushers will come forward, I'll pray. Please bow our heads. Lord, thank you for the ability to be here this morning, and also thank you for the ability to give of some of the blessings you have given us, that this church might fulfill its purpose. And we ask this in your will and in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now we'll be doing our scripture reading for today, and then I'll pray for this message. Our scripture is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessings you have given us. God, we thank you for, for your presence. We thank you for the way that you are holy, just, pure, full of love, mercy. God, we just thank you that you have called us to be sons and daughters of yours. God, we just ask that you would be here this morning in this service, that through your Holy Spirit, our new hearts would be made new again. That we would hear your words delivered by Scott. That we would understand your scripture in a new and more vibrant way. That we would be changed. That we would be changed into those sons and daughters that you desire us to be. Lord, that we might be capable of great things in your name that we would draw on your power to do your will and your work here, that many would be saved and come to know Christ as their Savior. God, we ask for that, and we ask for your help in doing that. God, I ask for your blessings on this church body. I ask for your blessings on those who aren't here this morning who are ill, who have illnesses or recovering from surgeries. God, we ask that your healing hand would be upon them, that they would be healed that they would be able to join us again in person here to worship you. God, I ask for your blessing on Scott. I ask that you would still his mind and let his words be your words. Let his message be your message. 
as I know he loves you and he serves you. So God, I ask a special anointing on him that he would deliver to us this morning your words. And I ask that through your son, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. I'm not Andy. What a strange church service. Everybody says who they're not. I'm Scott Fredrickson. I'm an elder apprentice here at North Shore Church, and I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, Pastor Duncan had asked me a few months ago if I would be preaching. <laughs> I said, no, um, that sounds terrifying. Um, but through much prayer and the Holy Spirit working in me these last few months and having time to uh, prepare uh, Psalm 23 for you, I'm uh, extremely excited. Um, Psalm 23 is a, is a, um, a part of the uh, Bible that all of us probably know, or some of us know very well, um, but a lot of us don't know what some of the verses mean. And uh, I was one of those until I actually studied Psalm 23. And, you know, um, certain, what is a rod and a staff? And um, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, my dad told me when I was little that that was uh, just a Lutheran potluck where you sat next to people you didn't like. <laughs> None of that is true. Um, but what I want to do today is uh, go through Psalm 23, verse by verse, and um, break it down and um, kind of explain uh, what I've learned through um, several different uh, references. One of them is a book that I read. It's uh, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's written by Philip Keller, and um, I'll be referring to this book along with other commentaries that I found very helpful for understanding this uh, Old Testament scripture. So... Uh, this psalm shows the Lord as the good shepherd who cares for his sheep and equips them for ministry. David is the writer of this psalm. Jesus showed time and time again that he would and could provide for those who followed him. Just as a shepherd provides for the sheep, so does Jesus provide for his followers. No better description of this exists than in Psalm 23. David is probably an old man when he writes this uh, psalm, and he had seen lots of tragedies and disappointments, but he also had come to know God, a good shepherd who gives to his children more than they deserve. This morning I want to show you four responsibilities or uh, ministries of the good shepherd. He protects, he guides, he nurtures, and he lays down his life. First, he protects. The Lord is my shepherd. Obviously, David in this psalm is not speaking as the shepherd, though he once was, but as a sheep, one of the flock. He speaks with a strong sense of pride and devotion and admiration. It was though he literally boasted out loud, look at who my shepherd is. The Lord is. It's sad that many people who really have come under his direction or management claim that the Lord is my shepherd. They seem to hope that by merely admitting that he is their shepherd, somehow they will enjoy the benefits of his care. One cannot have it both ways. Either we belong to the shepherd or we don't. Jesus himself warned us in Matthew 7, verse 22, that there would come a day when many would say, Lord, Lord, we did not prophesy in your name, or did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. It's a most, it is a most serious and sobering truth that there should really make us search for our own hearts and motives and personal relationship to himself. Do I really treasure my shepherd? 
Do I really recognize his right to shepherd and lead me? Do I respond to his authority and acknowledge my shepherd's ownership? Do I sense a purpose of deep contentment because I am under his shepherding? Do I know rest and peacefulness besides a definite sense of exciting adventure in belonging to him? When these things characterize the life of someone, then with genuine gratitude and exaltation, he or she should explain proudly, just as David did, the Lord is my shepherd, and I am thrilled to belong to him, for it is in him that I shall flourish and thrive, no matter what life brings to me. I shall not want. What a proud, positive, bold statement to make. Since the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. Now the word want here, as used here, has a broader meaning than one might first imagine. No doubt the main concept is that of not lacking, but a second emphasis David intends is the idea of being utterly contented in the good shepherd's care, and consequently not even craving or desiring anything else. This may seem like a strange statement for a man like David to have made. After all, David had been tormented repeatedly by the forces of his enemy Saul and later in life by those of his own estranged son Absalom. David was obviously a man who had known intense loss, deep personal poverty, acute hardship, and anguish of spirit. Even though David was a king and lived in a palace, he was in want. He was in need. He, he was in need of the good shepherd. When Jesus was among us, the great shepherd himself warned his disciples before his death and resurrection in John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Based on what we know of David's life, we can only conclude that David was not referring to material or physical poverty when he made such a statement, I shall not want. Because in this present world, we have tribulation, right? We must see his time in this life as a brief interlude during which there may be some hardship in, phys in a physical sense, yet amid such hardship, he can still boast, I shall not want. I shall lack nothing. I shall lack the expert care and management of my shepherd. Any shepherd will tell you the welfare of his flock is entirely dependent upon the management afforded to them by their shepherd. This is why we are so blessed. Jesus says in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And one verse earlier, in verse 10, is what Jesus is talking about. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The sad fact remains that some Christians are still not content with God's control. We can be somewhat dissatisfied, always feeling that somehow the grass beyond the fence must be a little greener. 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Believers who habitually do this are immature Christians. These are folks who want the best of both worlds. They want to be called a Christian, but also they want to live like the world, which is inconsistent. We can't have it both ways. Jesus talks about the kind of devotion we are to have in Mark 12, verse 30. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That may mean setting some time every day to be in the Word. Next, he guides. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The green pastures, the green pastures are the rich and lush pastures where sheep not need to move from to be satisfied. At certain times of the year, the sheep would be led to many places in search of food. Likewise with us, God's care is not seasonal, but consistent and abundant. We often find ourselves in those green pastures. It's the knowledge that our shepherd has things under control, even when they seem like they may not be in control. This should give us peace and rest. Psalm 91 verse 11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So we can enjoy those green pastures where we find rest for our souls. Another great passage from the New Testament is Matthew 6 verses 31 through 33. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We don't have to fear for these things, brothers and sisters. The Good Shepherd has supplied green pastures for those who follow him and there find peace and plenty. He leads me beside still waters. Still waters are waters that flow very slowly and calmly, that bring much peace and rest to one's spirit. One of the most relaxing things in life is the sound of a bubbling brook or a lowing stream of water. It's something that brings you to a calm place where you can focus on the Good Shepherd without any distractions. Our Shepherd wants to lead us to this place where you rest in Him and focus on Him without anything else that would distract you. He wants to take your burdens from your life and replace it with His everlasting peace and rest. In Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are labor and who are, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for, my, for your souls. Then in Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. At the great feast in Jerusalem, he declared boldly, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now to drink in spiritual terminology simply means to, to take in or to accept or to believe. When David wrote Psalm 23, looking at life from the standpoint of a sheep, he wrote, He the good shepherd leads me beside the still waters. The good shepherd makes sure that his sheep can be out grazing on this dew-drenched vegetation. It may mean that the shepherd has to rise up early to see that his flock gets this early morning grazing. In the Christian life, it is more than a passing significance to observe that those who are often the most confident are able to learn with all of life's complexities are those who rise up early each day to sit by the still waters of God's word. Being in God's word daily is critical to fighting off the enemy. Of course, there's always a percentage of people who seem to want to drink from the world's wisdom and refuse to let God lead them. They insist on running their own lives and following their own paths and their own wills. They insist they can follow their own paths even if those paths lead into snares and dark places. 
They don't want to be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus' teaching to his disciples before his death points this out in John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That being led by the Spirit will always lead us to Christ. He would make us see that life in Christ is the only truly saving, satisfying life. He restores my soul. This is an expression that is beautifully portrayed in Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them have gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go search for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that, he went, that went astray. So it's not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So then what does that mean for our life? If any of us drift away from the Lord but return to him, confessing our sin. He is there to restore our soul, to take us back, to receive us back into his fold. To know the tenderness, the love, the patience the Good Shepherd has for us. No matter when or where or how we may be struggling, he is there to pick us back up, dust us off. In Psalm 56, verse 13, we are given these words to restore our souls in the Christian life. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Brothers and sisters, no matter how messy our lives may be this morning, no matter what our ride looked like into church, the Good Shepherd is always walking before us, wanting to restore our souls. But when life gets difficult, we can be rest assured that he will never expect us or ask us to face more than we can stand. Many of you may know the famous verse from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In life, we're going to have storms. We're going to endure these tough times and these hardships. But God promises to be with us and help us get through it. And God is most glorified through our suffering as we go to him for help and deliverance because God explains how he refines us in our suffering. In Isaiah 48, verses 10 and 11, he says, See, I have refined you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. Anytime something is repeated twice in Scripture, it's important to listen. He emphasizes it the second time for, for the emphasis, for us to pay attention he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In this section of Psalm 23, David describes God as the good shepherd who leads his sheep in paths of righteousness. The sheep are not necessarily being led on the easy path, but one of many trials and dangers. Maybe we're being led in one of those trials today. It could be having to speak truth into a loved one's life. Or maybe it's telling your spouse that you lost your job or, or hearing a doctor tell you that you have health complications. As Americans, we tend to want to have things come to us easily and right now. Fast food isn't fast enough. Just throw it in the car as I drive by. <laughs> but for a shepherd, there was a clear understanding that easy and quick paths are not always the right 
paths. The righteous path may not be the short path or the easy path, but it gives the sheep an opportunity to trust their shepherd. As for believers, we have an incredible opportunity to trust God with acts of courageous faith. But righteousness is about making the hard choices the best we can, to obey God as best we can while prayerfully making the best possible choices with the information and knowledge we have. So let's trust God to lead us in every part of our life. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness, in your finances, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your careers. He is already waiting to do so. All of each of us have to do is just to say yes to Jesus and start following. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. All the dangers of rampaging rivers, floods, avalanches, rock slides, poisonous plants, predators that raid the flock, or the awesome storms of sleet and hail and, and snow, none of these conditions come to a surprise to the shepherd. In every storm of life, every present danger, every, dis, every disappointment, in every distressing dilemma, our good shepherd promises to walk beside us. Matthew 28, 20 illustrates this perfectly. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our good shepherd promises to be here with us, whatever trials we face, whatever life gives us. How comforting to know that we don't have to walk through those dark valleys alone. God is always just a prayer away. Many times he spent, many times he sends people into our lives just at the right time when we need them. It's no coincidence. The shepherd is always there, prepared to safeguard his flock and to tend them with skill under every circumstance. Listen to the beautiful simplicity of verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It doesn't say, I go there and I die, or I stop there, but rather I walk through. I walk through. For the good shepherd's sheep, death is not an end, but a door into a higher and more exalted life of an intimate contact with Christ. Death is but the dark valley opening out into an eternity of delight with God. It's not something to fear, but an experience, though, which we pass on to a, a perfect life with the shepherd. 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Fear is not from God. Paul tells us here that we don't have to be afraid. Put our trust in our good shepherd, for he will deliver us from the fear at all times feels overwhelming for us, but it's, it's a reassuring and reinforcing experience to the child of God to discover that there is even in the dark valley a source of strength and courage to be found in the Good Shepherd. I found that strength and courage when I was 13 years old and uh, my mom passed away from cancer. I know I could not have gone through that alone. Without hearing the healing, lovingness, and peace from a Good Shepherd, that got me through this tough time in my life. It's when we look back at those times when we were in those dark valleys that we realize that God never left us because there are going to be those dark valleys in our life. Perhaps we are in one now. The shepherd himself assured us in John 16, verse 13, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
The work is done. The price is paid. Our darkest valleys we go through, we don't go through alone. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the Middle East, the shepherd carries only a rod and a staff. The rod is a relatively short and heavy club-like device, and the staff is a long, thinner one with a hook or a crook at the end, one end. Both are used to protect the sheep, each in a very specific way. The rod was used to fight off wild animals and to count the sheep and to direct them. The shepherd uses the staff with the crook at the end to more strongly exert his authority and to, to gently but firmly pull the sheep back into the fold. And sometimes to keep the sheep moving in the right direction. He also uses the crook of the staff to pull the sheep from harm. So what is the rod and staff that our good shepherd uses on us? I would suggest figuratively that it's his word. This Scripture moves us and directs us and guides us and even corrects us, puts us back on the right path and keeps us in the sheepfold under his perfect care. So however the good shepherd uses his rod and staff on, it, on each of us, let's remember whose hand the rod and staff are held. They are held in the hand of our good shepherd and he uses both according to his good will and keeps us ever close and safe and guides us on that path of eternal sheepfold for that we should praise God and be eternally grateful for. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In some of the finest sheep country in the world, the high plateaus of the sheep ranges are always referred to as tables. So what David referred to as a table in verse 5 was actually the entire high summer range that the shepherd prepared ahead of time. He took drastic steps in assuring that the sheep would have the most plentiful area for grazing. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. What Paul's clear message is here is that the good shepherd faithfully gives us all that we need for a sustainable life in this world. The generosity and the abundance of our God provides for us is way more than we could ever ask or need while protecting us from Satan and the evilness from this side of heaven. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This part of the psalm I usually just sort of skimmed over, not really knowing fully what it meant. It just sounded good. The definition of anoint is simply to smear or rub with oil, typically on the forehead, as a part of a religious ceremony where someone is chosen for something. So what's that mean for us who follow Christ? Well, the God of the universe has anointed us or chosen us to be his sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22, Paul says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. We are anointed with the Spirit. We can't read that and not feel God working in our life. Our cup overflows, meaning the Good Shepherd's abounding and overflowing presence, provision, protection, and power. It is designed to be poured out onto others. It's also a reminder that God's supply will never run dry. God has more than enough to help you in regardless of what your situation is. 
His presence has no boundaries. His provision has no expiration. His protection cannot be penetrated. And his power has no equal. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you believe this? How many Christians actually feel this way about the Good Shepherd? How many of us are truly concerned that no matter what occurs in our life, we are being followed by goodness and mercy? Of course, it's easy to say this when things are all going well and our family is well, our incomes are flourishing, and our kids are safe. But what about when we are down on our luck and our bodies break down, we lose our job, um, can't pay our bills, our children are r running into the wrong crowds at school? Or I, I, I can, can I still declare, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life? God uses our suffering for the strengthening of our faith and for his glorification. Well, what does that mean? Scripture tells us in James 1 verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let the, and let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we will endure trials in this life, but God's promise is that his goodness and mercy will be enough on this side of heaven. And we can take comfort in knowing that. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Finally, David ends this psalm with the most precious assurance that we would enjoy the presence of the Lord forever. Not only do we get the idea of an ever-present shepherd, but also that his sheep want to be in his view at all times. And as believers, when our time on this earth is over, we will be with our shepherd in heaven forever. Heaven, of course, referring to the house David professes this yearning to be the main focal point of his heart, to be in that house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to be in the glory of the creator of the heavens and the earth, where our good shepherd loves us perfectly. Okay, three points of application. What does David teach us from this psalm about God? First, he protects. From verse 1, he is our good shepherd. He leads us wisely and faithfully, gently and lovingly. Psalm 91 verses 1 through 4 talks a little bit about that protection. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the mighty, in the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wing you will find refuge, and his faithfulness is a shield and a bunker. He knows what's best for us, and all his ways are perfect. It's no accident that God has chosen to compare us to sheep. Sheep on their own are super stupid and dumb, and they, they'll even walk off of a cliff. But God protects us from walking off the cliff by sending his son to be our advocate. Second, he leads. Many folks want to be leading their own life as they strive after numerous things in life. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We know what we want for ourselves, but many miss what we need. And that's a relationship with Christ, our Good Shepherd. Take comfort in, con in the confidence that your Good Shepherd is always leading you. Trust him and gladly follow the Lord 
who is your shepherd. Third point is he comforts. There is no greater comfort to us than to know that God himself is with you. And notice what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 1.3. The God of all comfort comforts us in all the troubles. So again, it doesn't matter what things that you're going through. Our good shepherd is with us to comfort us. Do we believe this? Is it in your mind, in our minds, as well as in our hearts? Brothers and sisters, let's be encouraged as we go through life that our good shepherd is waiting for us to put our trust in him. The shepherd became a lamb. He died an ugly death on the cross. He paid the price for our sins so people like you and me can be in heaven. He is waiting for you. Come to him today. He is the only way to true and lasting happiness for his glory and our joy. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, our shepherd, for being our perfect provider and attentive caregiver. Help us never to doubt your love and your care and your presence, even when circumstances try to blind us to the knowledge or awareness of your truth. Give us an unshakable confidence in your character and your care. Thank you, Lord, that we are never alone, that you are always with us, always watching over us, that in you we have all that we could ever need. Thank you for laying down your life to give us eternal life with you. Help us to remember your word and to share it with others. We pray for each one of us here today, Lord, that if, if we have not received the Good Shepherd today, that he or she would come up front to talk to an elder after the service. God, make that happen. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, the Good Shepherd, who became a sheep for us. May all the glory and honor be yours today. In Jesus' name, amen.